wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Stupid idiot. Shut your mouth, you thong-wearing fatty. Party's over, Grandpa. Kane was there! Kane was there too! Yeah! No enhancement needed. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. It's amazing to think that it's been eight years to the day today, June 27th, 2011, that CM Punk cut that iconic pipe bomb promo on Raw. I remember watching it live with my brother, my older brother, neither of whom, I mean, my younger brother at one point did watch wrestling with me, so he kind of appreciated the promo somewhat. My older brother had no idea what was going on, but like in the best way possible, the show went off the air that night abruptly, and he was like, what just happened? Like, because CM Punk name-dropped New Japan Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor. He name-dropped Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman. My brother knows Brock Lesnar, so it was it was a cool moment. He I remember him watching it with me for whatever reason, and he was as starstruck as I was, even me being a wrestling fan. And it's really hard to shock wrestling fans nowadays, and especially eight years ago as well. But CM Punk did just that with that promo that closed out Raw eight years ago today. And it's crazy to think that it's been almost a decade since that promo happened. Um, But I don't think anyone can tell you, honestly, that they knew in that moment the impact that promo would have on the entire wrestling world in the years that followed. Like, it would have a pretty cool impact on Raw in the weeks that followed, leading up to CM Punk's amazing WWE Championship match with John Cena at Money in the Bank in Chicago, one of my favorite matches in WWE wrestling history. But honestly, I still say to this day, That promo accomplished way more than anyone gives it credit for. People will sit there and tell you, oh, you know, he promised this, he promised that, we never got that, they accomplished that well after he was gone. But the fact of the matter is this, if it was not for CM Punk, I would credit CM Punk as being the beginning uh, for for the rises, the, the real catalyst for the pushes for guys like Daniel Bryan. And the not even the years that followed, the the months that followed. And it may be a pure coincidence, but on the same night that CM Punk became WWE Champion and Money in the Bank, Daniel Bryan won the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match to earn a future title shot of the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, his reign was not the greatest, but that set forth heel Daniel Bryan, the yes chant, and the guy's been a main event player ever since. So I think CM Punk and his promo had a lot to do with that and how WWE views top stars um, even today, today there, we have a, it's a whole fucking indie rific roster in WWE. We have Seth Rollins as the Universal Champion. Kofi Kingston wasn't really from the Indies, but he's not exactly a big guy. Kofi Kingston was great friends with CM Punk for the better part of CM Punk's run in WWE. Uh, not to say that Punk was the reason why Kofi became champion. Obviously, far from it. But Kofi would not have been champion eight years ago, at least not in my opinion. Dolph Ziggler became World Champion. Uh, about a year later, I mean, about a year or two later when he cashed in Money in the Bank. We've had so many people that aren't exactly the stereotypical superstar become champion in the last eight years, and in my opinion, of course, in addition to their own talent, because of CM Punk. I think CM Punk and his promo that night and everything he accomplished 
during that summer of Punk in 2011, I think that had a lot to do with what we see today in WWE. Not the bad product, but I'm talking about, you know, smaller people getting a chance to succeed. And not every time, not every smaller wrestler will become world champion. I don't think Cedric Alexander will ever become WWE Universal Champion. I think he could be, but not every cruiserweight guy or every guy that's, you know, fucking eighty pounds is going to become a world champion in WWE. But at least those people are getting more opportunities now than they were even 10 years ago. So it's a cool time to, come, to kind of reminisce on the uh, WWE, on the wrestling industry on a whole, looking back at that promo eight years ago today to see how much has really changed. And again, the product may be as bad now as it was eight years ago, arguably worse. We have way more content. Raw's three hours now. SmackDown's live. We have 205 live. NXT is bigger than it used to be eight years ago by a long shot. Um, There was just so much content. We have the network now compared to eight years ago. But I think the wrestling industry as a whole has really benefited from that promo. Not to just sit here and praise CM Punk for the entire hour. We have plenty of other things to talk about here in today's WrestleRant Radio. But uh, it's always cool to go back and watch that promo every year on the 27th, on June 27th, and think like, wow, things have really changed. Again, some for the better, some for the worse. But um, it is cool to see how far WWE has come in regards to who they see as top stars. Rollins and Kofi are the current world champions in WWE. It doesn't get any more, you know, um, you know, there really isn't any more proof in the pudding than that with who we have as world champions right now compared to eight years ago. I think at that time we had Randy Orton and John Cena. I think they were the world heavyweight and WWE uh, champions respectively in the company at that point. So again, I think we've come a long way from where we were eight years ago in some ways better than others. Um, but again, go back and check out that promo. It's still a pretty remarkable promo, even in, a, in an age now where we've seen, heard, and experienced everything as fans. It's still cool to go back and, and watch a promo like that because even today, if we saw a promo like that be cut on Raw, we'd be like, holy shit, like, I don't know if this is real, and, you know, I don't know if this is part of the show, where is this going, is there some truth to what he's saying here, and there was, um, and again, that really opened the doors for me as well, in my opinion anyway, for more realistic promos to be cut on Raw, there's a lot, I mean, I, I feel like they kind of go to that well too often sometimes, actually, where they try to blur the lines between reality and storyline, And it makes for more compelling television. More realistic storylines is what WWE needs. None of this nonsense with Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans and going back to Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston for the upteenth time. We'll talk more about stomping grounds in in, in a few minutes. Or actually a little later on in the show because we have plenty to get to before that. Um, But I thought it was a good show overall. We will be breaking down stomping grounds in the second half of today's WrestleRant Radio. We have a lot to get to before then though. CM Punk called himself the best in the world in 2011. That's exactly what we have coming up on Friday night. Terrible segue, I apologize. But Ring of Honor has their best in the world pay-per-view. I believe it's from emanating from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, Friday night, tomorrow night, June 28th, live on pay-per-view, Fight TV, Honor Club, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. They got a great show lined up. I know Ring of Honor doesn't have a lot of buzz right now, but this pay-per-view is shaping up to be quite good with what they have on tap between the main event, Jeff Cobb and Matt Taven for the Ring of Honor World Championship. We have the Briscoes taking on Nick Aldis and a mystery partner. Women of Honor action, Kelly Klein and Jenny Rose taking on the Allures. 
Angelina Love and Mandy Leone. We spoke to Kelly Klein last week here on WrestleRant Radio. Awesome interview. Thanks to Kelly for her time once again. We have another great interview lined up for today's WrestleRant Radio. As you could probably tell by the title of this episode, we're going to be talking to the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, Shane Taylor, about all things Ring of Honor, best in the world, his current reign as the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, his upcoming match with Bandito at Best in the World, uh, him winning the championship during the War of the Worlds tour for Ring of Honor, and so much more. It's an awesome interview. He's very down-to-earth, very determined. He's got a lot of upside, uh, Shane Taylor does in Ring of Honor. He's one of those guys that you probably would not expect to kind of break out and be one of their homegrown talents, but he has been over the last number of years since he started out with Keith Lee in a tag team in late 2016, working matches with then War Machine, and now is, you know, leveled up to the Ring of Honor World TV title picture. And that match with Bandito, I've seen him work before. They had a great match a few months ago on Ring of Honor TV. This match on Friday should be equally entertaining. So we're talking to Shane Taylor today. We're doing best in the world predictions. We're doing Fighter Fest predictions for Saturday. We have quite the wrestling weekend coming up, which is great. And then we're also reviewing Stomping Grounds and maybe giving some thoughts on Raw and SmackDown from this week as well. But I should mention this. I know we're eight minutes, in, eight nine minutes into the episode now, so it's probably a little too late. Um, but we got big news. I have big news for Wrestle Rant Radio. Now I have no idea why it took so long. For me to do this, I don't know why I waited so long or not even bothered to try, but WrestleRant Radio is now going to be available, is currently available, not even will be, it is, available on more than just a handful of platforms. Previously, it was just NextDayWrestling.net, which has been the home of WrestleRant Radio since its inception, you know, six years ago in 2013. I put it on iTunes about a year and a half ago, late 2017, that's what I've been pushing the most since October, September 2017. In addition to, um, you know, various other platforms I'm not really aware of. I know people have said that it's on FM, not like FM radio, but like one of those type of websites. Um, It's been on Podbean as well. But now it's available on more than just those websites as well. You can now listen to WrestleRant Radio on Spotify, a very popular streaming service. You can check out WrestleRant Radio there. You can check out WrestleRant Radio on Stitcher, another very popular podcast streaming service. Just download the app, go to the website, you can listen to it there as well. You can check it out on Google Play. I believe that's where Android users can listen to podcasts. I might be mistaken on that, but I'm pretty sure. You can listen to it on the Google Play website too. But uh, for any Android users who don't have the Apple Podcast app that I've been pushing here for like fucking two years now, uh, you have no way of listening to WrestleRant Radio on iTunes if you don't have an iPhone. So if you're an Android user, check out Google Play, search up WrestleRant Radio. All the episodes should be there. We're on TuneIn. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on all the most popular podcast streaming service platforms at this point. So check them all out. It is now literally easier than ever at this point to listen to WrestleRant Radio. So if you're still listening to WrestleRant Radio, worst case scenario, on nextairwrestling.net, what the hell are you waiting for? Download the show today, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Google Play. We're all over the place, baby. We're breaking big here on WrestleRant Radio. Um, but yeah, that being said, we're gonna I'm going to segue in right now to the interview, our exclusive interview with the Ring of Honor World Television Champion, Shane Taylor. Again, talking all things best in the world, Ring of Honor, his reign is the Ring of Honor World TV Champion, his goals in ROH, and so much more. So here we go. 
All right, Chains, we have Best in the World coming up a little later this month, uh, Friday, June 28th, Ring of Honor, Best in the World. You are the current Ring of Honor uh, World Television Champion. You're facing Bandito at that show. Shane, first of all, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic, man. Uh, how are you? Doing great, doing great. Well, Best in the World coming up in a few short weeks, one of your first major matches in ROH. You've been there for a while now, recently winning the Ring of Honor uh, World Television Championship, like I said. You faced Bandito before, but how do you think this upcoming match with Bandito will differ from other matches that you've had over the course of your career in ROH? Because I was never a champion before. Uh, I do best when there's a target on my back. I do well when my back is against the wall, I do well under pressure. I thrive under it. I always have. Uh, so uh, this puts me in a familiar position that I like being in, the position to be able to shut mouths, open eyes, and prove people wrong. Uh, right now there is a contingent of ROH fans that believe uh, that Bandito is going to walk out a best in the world with the Ring of Honor World Television Championship and... Uh, I get to break all their hearts June 28. And you guys have faced off before. You had a match at Steel City Excellence just about two months ago. Uh, what did you learn from that encounter? Of course, that was before you won the uh, world television title, like you had said. What did you learn from that match that you think will help you avenge that loss to Bandito, a best in the world? Bandito is more resilient than I thought he was. Uh, I've hit guys with lesser shots than, than I hit on him and put them away. So uh, that's something that I didn't expect and I didn't count on. But now that I know that about him, now all I, all I have to do is go in for the kill. I know that I just have to put him away this time. Uh, so that's exactly what I'm going to do. There will, be no, uh, there will be no remorse. I'm not only going to have to beat him, I'm going to have to put him down and hurt him. Uh, and, and that's just what's going to have to happen for me to be successful. And Bandito is just one of the many new names that has joined Ring of Honor in 2019 between him, Tracy Williams, Roosh, I mean, obviously most of Lifeblood. Um, who among them do you feel has been the biggest get for ROH so far, and who among them are you looking forward to facing eventually? I mean, you can't really pick one. I mean, all the guys are, you know, fantastic mm -hmm. international talents, world-class athletes, world-class performers. Uh, so, I mean, for ROH to get all of them is fantastic for us. It, it keeps uh, competition high keeps eyes on the product keeps people uh, with with dream matches and dream scenarios uh, I'm sure all of them have aspirations to win championship gold in Ring of Honor uh, and I'm looking forward not only to beating Bandito but beating the rest of them as well and like you had said, this is your first championship in ROH, the TV title. You've gone for the championship before on a few different occasions. You actually unsuccessfully vied for the belt back at the 17th anniversary show against Jeff Cobb. But you finally won at the War of the Worlds Tour just last month. How satisfying was it for you to pick up your first piece of gold in ROH at that event, in that Fatal 4-Way match? I mean, you can't even put words to it. I mean... Uh, for years, I was overlooked, underappreciated, uh, and to be able to say, I told you so, every time I walk out there with that Ring of Honor World Television Championship uh, drives me just to uh, keep getting better uh, and keep doing exactly what I've been doing. Uh, like I said, I love to prove people wrong, from fans all the way to the bosses who signed the checks. Uh, to me... Uh, when you don't believe in me, when you don't uh, think I can do something, uh, 
you put yourself in a really terrible spot because then uh, everything that I think about is geared toward making you look stupid. Um, and on in Toronto, that's what I was able to do. Uh, made everybody, everybody uh, who didn't think I was going to be champion look stupid. And was winning the TV title one of your biggest goal? Uh, one of your biggest goals upon coming to ROH, or was it just winning gold in general, or just kind of wreaking all-out havoc upon coming to ROH a few years ago? When when you get to certain platform goal, goals, change right. Mm-hmm. So when I got to Ring of Honor, the goal was to win every single championship that Ring of Honor has to offer, and that's still my goal. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't change. Um, Right now, Matt Taven is the only Grand Slam champion that we have. I'm looking to add my name to that list. Um, but as of right now, all of my focus now is on being the most dominant television champion that there's ever been. Uh, when you look at the single reign stats, uh, you've got, uh, as far as days, uh, Jay Lethal with 567 days as champion, 35 championship defenses. I aim on shattering both of those um, because then... Ring of Honor can't use him as their poster boy anymore. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to use me. They're gonna have to show my face. They're gonna have to be. Uh, they're gonna have to show the world that I'm the man in, in the Ring of Honor. Uh, so, um, for me, uh, that's what my focus is. And I just got done reading this awesome interview that you did with Justin Barrasso over from Sports yeah. Illustrated, where you spoke a ton about your family, your background, some awesome stuff there that people probably didn't already know, a lot of ROH fans. Um, with Father's Day being this Sunday as we're talking, best in the world being a little later on this month, and being a father yourself, how much of this match against Bandito, uh, how much does it mean to you coming out from where you started uh, many years back? Again, it, 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 it's a culmination of you know, years of hard work and, and dedication and uh, doubt and all, all, all kind of emotions. Um, but come when my music hits at best in the world, uh, all that goes away and all the focus is on Bandito. Uh, because, you know, if my focus isn't there, he wins and I lose and I, and I, and I go to square one. Uh, that can't happen. So um, once I beat Ban then I will be uh, I will then reflect and see just how you know great a moment it was for me and my family but um, for right now uh, everything is just eyes on the prize. And this will be one of your first major matches with Ring of Honor. But again, you've been there with them. You've been with them for a few years now. You were at the G1 Supercard Special at Madison Square Garden. Like I said, you faced Jeff Cobb at the 17th anniversary show for that same TV title. Um, but with this being your first title defense as TV champion on pay per view, will any of your friends or family be able to attend the, the, this event to see you compete on the big stage of Ring of Honor? Not that I know of, um, but you know they've they've surprised me before, uh, but. Now, again, prior to me going out, me going out there, my focus is so on what I'm doing that it it wouldn't even phase me. You know what I mean? Like I'm not even looking for mm-hmm. them. It, it's it's all it, it it's laser focus. You know. So um, if some if some of them show up, great. If not, the job remains the same, uh, and that's to put Bandito down. 
Uh, Best in the World has been one of Ring of Honor's staple pay-per-views, one of their tentpole pay-per-views for many years now, along with the, again, the G1 show, the WrestleMania weekend shows that they do, Final Battle at the end of the year, which you've also competed on in the past. Um, Do you think a strong showing at this event against Bandito can help strengthen your stock even more than it's already been so far in Ring of Honor? Of course. I mean, the eyes of the world are on us. You know, so uh, every performance you have in this company, on this platform, people notice uh whether that be good or bad uh and so another standout performance another match of the year performance by me uh will only go to show what i've been saying for you know a decade plus now uh, that i'm one of the best big men in the world at this job at this profession um and i get the chance to go show it again and kind of going back a bit, you've been with Ring of Honor for a few for a few years now. What was it that brought you to Ring of Honor in the first place, especially now that there's so many different alternatives between, again, a WWE and AEW obviously sprouting up now, Impact, and so many other promotions out there. What was it about specifically Ring of Honor that intrigued you to sign with them a few years ago? The history, the, the legacy, the intensity, the physicality, that's what separates Ring of Honor from just about every other company. You know, when you think of you know, past champions, you look at your Danielsons, your Samoa Joes, your, you know, Tyler Blacks, your Aries, your Nidals, you know, uh, guys that, you know, created a legacy for us to follow for the guys and girls that are there now. Uh, and I wanted to add my name to that legacy. And now that I have, uh, the goal is to make sure my name is the most thought of name in that, in that legacy. Uh, I, I've said before that, uh, by the time I'm done, which is no time soon, um, I, I want my era to be recognized like Joe's era was and Danielson's era was. Uh, no matter what talent that we have, I want people to say that was Shane Taylor's era of Ring of Honor. And you're the TV champion now, but you've been a part of a few different tag teams throughout your time in Ring of Honor between Keith Lee when you first started out and just most recently Silas Young. Uh, which do you prefer between singles and tag team competition? And you feel are what do you feel are the biggest differences between the two for yourself personally? I mean, there's, there's no preference for me. The job is to go out there and beat your opponent. If, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if I have my partner with me, then cool. If not, then I do it so like, like I have most of my career. Uh, so nothing really changes for me on, on that end. Um, but the difference in match styles, obviously, you know, uh, if you get tired or, you know, you're taking punishment, you can drag out. Singles, you can't. <laughs> you know, it's just mm-hmm. you and them. You know, so um, that just preparing yourself mentally for that, physically for that, to be able to, to withstand the punishment, to uh, be able to have the mental toughness uh, to get through anything, uh, that's key. Uh, so that's uh, that's the biggest difference. And it's been awesome to see you evolve from where you started out in ROH to where you are now, obviously, as the new TV champion. Um, and we've also gotten to know a lot more about you, again, through these interviews that I was talking about on ROH TV, on pay-per-view, and stuff like that. Um, and now as the TV champion, what's one thing that you feel the Ring of Honor fans didn't already know about you before, but you feel should know about you now, you know, people know you as to be this intimidating dominant force in ROH, but what what is something that you think fans don't already know that would probably surprise them? That would surprise them? I don't know, it it, it takes a lot to surprise people nowadays. (laughs) That's Uh, a good point. But, uh, I mean, what what you see is what you get with me. You know, I I, I could care less about, you know, the social media 
aspect of the world that we live in and, and, you know, all of the people that, you know, think that just because they watch us on TV that they, you know, somehow know what we do better than us. Uh, for, for me, this is who I am is unlike anybody that they've ever seen uh, in this sport. Um, I march to the beat of my own drum. I, I make my own rules, and I buck the system, and I buck the trends, and I buck the stereotypes that they're accustomed to. Uh, so um, there really is nothing that uh, that would surprise them about me uh, other than the fact that, you know, I speak the truth. And in mm-hmm. this profession, that can be a dangerous thing. And like you said, what you what you see is what you get with Shane Taylor and Ring of Honor. You go out there, you kill it every single time, regardless of who you're up against. Obviously, and Bandita will be no exception. Um, and you've had some great matches. The Jeff Cobb match was one of my personal favorites from Ring of Honor in 2019 so far. From the 17th anniversary show, it was just a flat-out fantastic match. Who have been some of your favorite rivals um, in Ring of Honor up to this point? Well, uh, obviously, you know, when I first got there, it was Keith and myself mm-hmm. against... Uh, then War Machine, uh, Ray Road, you know, uh, Hanson. Uh, so they'd be right up there. That was my in- introduction to Ring of Honor is going through them. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, Jeff Cobb is right up there. Uh, Bandito is looking like he's going to be a formidable rival for a very long time. Uh, and matches that I've had with Jay Briscoe, Kenny King, uh, and, and others have all... Uh, sort of guided me to where I'm at now. The lessons in those matches uh, help prepare me for uh, this championship run that I'm about to go on, uh, and I wouldn't have it any other way. All the bumps, all the bruises, all the knocks, all the, you know, uh, all the minor injuries, all, all of that, uh, it's uh, well worth it. And you mentioned the feud that you guys started out with between uh, you and Keith Lee against then War Machine. I, I remember, was it the... You guys had a fatal four-way tag team match. You and Keith Lee, War Machine. I think it might have been Cabana and Dalton Castle, and then another team. Was that your first? It was the All Star Extravaganza show at Lowell, Massachusetts. Were you, was that your first match on pay per view for ROH? I want to say probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously in that moment you got butterflies going, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, your 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 head is in a million different places, but. Uh, to be able to be in the ring with, you know, uh, people of that talent level on that stage. Um, and then just to be where I'm at now, uh, and look at the growth and the transition, uh, has been, uh, quite a ride for me. And, uh, and I'm excited to keep it going. And it was awesome, too. I had brought someone. I was at that show. I had brought someone who wasn't really all that familiar with the Ring of Honor product, and they saw that match, which probably still... I mean, there was the, the, the triple threat tag team ladder main event, too, but that specific tag team match that you guys were in was absolutely fantastic, and my friend had walked away from that show like, wow, who are these guys? Shane Taylor, Keith Lee, these guys are absolutely awesome, and it was an incredible performance. Uh, was there anything that you guys learned, specifically you, Shane, that, that you learned from that feud with War Machine that kind of helped put you on the map in ROH that was like one of those things where like, ah, I should be doing this better, or I should be doing more of this, or something along those lines? Um, I'm trying to think now of, of, of things specifically from that match. Uh, or just the feud in general, I, I suppose. I mean, I just learned, you know, 
pacing is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you watch, for example, I'm a huge fan of boxing, uh, and when you have uh, when you have an opponent, an opponent who's dangerous, who can win at any time with a punch uh, or a knee, or you know, with guys like Ray and Hanson who bring so many different weapons to the table, you, you pacing is key. Uh, just when you think you got him hurt, you don't, and then you put yourself in trouble. So uh, the ability to uh, plan my attacks, the ability to be strategic with, with what I'm with what I'm doing at a higher level than I've ever done it is something that I take away from that uh, and continuing to evolve that uh, into where I'm at now, uh, putting that planning together with the offense, with the defense, uh, that's what makes you a, a world caliber talent uh, and that's what I'm trying to do. And aside from Bandito, who is your dream challenger uh, currently in ROH for the World TV title? Someone that you see could be like, wow, that's a that's a big money match. Me versus so-and-so for the World Television title in ROH. Uh, and it could be someone you faced see. before, too. Hmm. Well, number one, uh, seeing as how I'm chasing his record, the answer to that one would be Jay Lethal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... Again, uh, he's he's a guy that Ring of Honor looks at as their sort of standard bearer. Uh, he's the guy that they want to put on all the posters that they want to be representing the company the, the way that they feel it should be represented. But I'm I'm champion. I'm going to do things the way I see fit. Um, so I would love that match, and eventually uh, I'm going to get it. Uh, so here's looking forward to that, but. As far as just on, on a world stage, you know, I, I, I said before, Koma Hiroishi, mm-hmm. uh, Minoru Suzuki, uh, anybody uh, from any company really that really feels like uh, that they can bring uh, the physicality and intensity that I bring to that match, be, I'd, I'd, I'd love to do it. And you mentioned before, last question for you, that your biggest goal in, in Ring of Honor, obviously, aside from just beating everyone possible, is to win every championship. And obviously, you scratched one off the list with the TV title. It was actually at best in the world four years ago, almost exactly, that Jay Lethal won the world title while still the ROH TV champion. Is that something that could interest you at some point in doing a little later on this year, potentially? I mean, it, 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 it's definitely something that uh, that I keep in the back in the back of my mind. Uh, but again, the second that I take my focus off of just defending my my championship mm-hmm. is the day that I lose it. Uh, so uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But um, it would be a bad look for your boy to be holding the uh, <laughs> world television cha- championship and world championship at the same time. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully that's more of a uh, spoiler, less of a prediction. So I'm looking forward to that hopefully happening at some point in the not-so-distant future. But we got Bandito first versus Shane Taylor. Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Best in the world. Live on pay-per-view Friday, June 28th. Shane, thanks so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Once again, big thanks to Shane for his time. Great time talking to the Ring of Honor World Television Champion. You can see him in action and best in the world this Friday, tomorrow, Friday, June 28th on Honor Club, live on pay-per-view, and Fight TV as well. It's going to be a great show, not only for his match with Bandito, but like I said earlier, we have Matt Taven versus Jeff Cobb for the Ring of Honor World Championship. We have Silas Young versus Jonathan Gresham, Jay Lethal versus Kenny King, and the third match of their best of three series. So many great matches, which 
it might as well be a good of a time as any right now to give my predictions for the pay-per-view. Ring of Honor best in the world tomorrow. While I'm running down the card, I might as well give my picks and predictions for each match advertised as of right now. It was announced a few days ago by Ring of Honor that the pre-show match of Flip Gordon and Roosh is now going to be airing live on their YouTube channel, I believe maybe on their website and a few other platforms, on Friday night before the pay-per-view. So the pay-per-view starts, again, Baltimore, Maryland, that's where it's emanating from, starts at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Ring of Honor starts their shows a little later. I like them at 8, but that's just me. Um, yeah, so the pre-show match, Flip Gordon and Roosh, airing live on their YouTube channel around, I would say, maybe 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. This should be great. I'm actually kind of shocked. It's the pre-show match. Um... I guess you're not going to bump the women to the pre-show. They don't really deserve that. I'm not sure what else would be on the pre-show. Maybe Dalton Castle and Dragon Lee. Um, I can kind of understand why that match is happening. Just because Dalton Castle has his issues with Roosh. Dragon Lee is the brother of Roosh. So I guess it makes sense. But I don't really care too much for that match, to be honest with you. I would put that on the pre-show before Flip Gordon and Roosh which sounds absolutely amazing on paper. But by the way, Flip Gordon, my interview with the aerial artist, will likely be airing next week here on WrestleRant Radio. We spoke about a month ago for the article that I did for Bleacher Report on Northeast Wrestling, and Flip Gordon was uh, gracious enough to lend me his time to talk all things NEW. So it's not exactly a career retrospective, um, and it's not exactly a lengthy interview either. It might only be about 15, 20 minutes. But then again, the Kelly Klein and the Shane Taylor interviews were only about 15, 20 minutes too. So it's long enough, and the guy was very uh, nice uh, in granting me his time to talk Northeast Wrestling. So I'll likely be airing that interview in full next week here on WrestleRant Radio. That gives you something to look forward to for the 4th of July episode. But anyway, Flip Gordon Roosh, um, this should be an amazing match. Roosh is still new to Ring of Honor. He debuted earlier this year. He's been undefeated since his arrival. I'd be surprised if he lost here. Flip Gordon actually recently lost a fatal four-way type match where he can no longer challenge for the Ring of Honor World Championship as long as... I don't think it's as long as Matt Saban is champion. I think he just can't challenge for the championship for up to one year. So that that's... uh. Not exactly a boost for Gordon, um, but he's a great talent. I don't think he wins here. I think Roosh remains undefeated by picking up a win on the pre-show. I uh, mentioned it before, but Dalton Castle and Dragon Lee. Dalton Castle, I have no idea what's going on with this guy. I'm a Dalton Castle fan, but the guy has been held together by fucking strings for at least a year now, by a thread. Um, he's had a lot of injuries dating back to when he first won the Ring of Honor World Championship in December of 2017, a year and a half ago. He didn't have the greatest reign as Ring of Honor World Champion. He spent some time on the shelf. He came back in time for final battle, lost to Matt Davin. He's lost all 2019 long. He turned heel back at G1 Supercard. But he hasn't really done much of note since. Now, I am happy he's not facing the boys on this show. That's not to say that they won't interfere, but I'm glad he's not facing them in like a two-on-one handicap match, which would be completely pointless. Um, if Dragon Lee can kind of carry Dalton Castle to a good match, then this should be enjoyable. Dragon Lee should win. I know he's not a regular in Ring of Honor, but... I mean, maybe Dalton Castle finally wins one. It's not like Dragon Lee won't be hurt by the loss. It's not like he will be hurt by the loss, I guess I, sh I, I, guess I should say. Um, I don't know. This very well could go either way. I'll go with Dragon Lee just to keep the Dalton Castle losing streak alive for right now. And maybe it's via interference from the boys. I, I see them interfering here to cost him the victory. So I got Dragon Lee going over in this match. Nick Aldis and a partner to be announced taken to the Briscoe Brothers um, in tag team action. The Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles, by the way, are currently in the possession of 
Gorillas of Destiny. They beat the Briscoes for the belts, or rather, uh, Villain Enterprises and the Briscoes and Los Ingobernables de Japón back at G1 Supercard over WrestleMania weekend. The Briscoes have yet to regain the gold. I think they're going to be fighting for the tag titles at the upcoming New York City taping in about a month. So maybe that's where the Briscoes get the belts back. But yeah, the tag team titles are MIA in ROH right now. So this match is not for any set of tag team titles. Nick Aldis is the current NWA World Heavyweight Champion. Uh, the, Briscoe, the Briscoe brothers have taken um, exception, I guess might be the right word, to NWA and their association. Uh, recent partnership with Ring of Honor. So they've been interfering in all the NWA matches. Cole Cabana was supposed to team with Nick Aldis. I guess he got hurt and he was pulled from the pay-per-view. I don't know who Nick Aldis would be teaming with instead. Likely Willie Mack would be my guess. Um, Actually, no. Willie Mack dropped the NWA National Championship and has since signed with Impact full-time. So it won't be Willie Mack. I guess I could see James Storm. Though James Storm did not see too concerned, did not seem to be too concerned with the Briscoe brothers attacking Aldis and Cole Cabana on a recent episode of Ring of Honor TV. So I guess that would be a bit illogical. But James Storm on one of these Ring of Honor pay-per-views would be cool. Um, I'm not overly familiar with the NWA to know who else they would plug into the spot, but um, I think the Briscoe brothers will win. Maybe they give Aldis the victory because he is the NWA world champion, but... Whoever he teams with, I see them taking a loss here, and the Briscoe brothers continue to build momentum before they eventually, I would assume, regain the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. The Allures, Angelina Love and Mandy Leone, taking on the Women of Honor World Champion Kelly Klein, a WrestleRant Radio alum, and Jenny Rose. Um, this should be fine. I see the Allure winning to prolong the program. Uh, wait to give the baby faces their victory until a later date. I think the Allure... Need the victory here. They just debuted. This is their debut match. So I don't know if it exactly sends the right message that if they lose in their in their pay-per-view debut in the ring. Um, Kelly Klein should not be pinned, obviously, unless they're building to like Mandy Leone and Kelly Klein for the championship or even Angelina Love versus Klein for the title. I don't think Klein should be pinned here. Uh, Jenny Rose, that seems to be... Honestly, to me, it seems pretty obvious why Jenny Rose is involved is to have her take the pinfall loss to give the Allure to the victory. So I have the Allure winning here. Jay Lethal versus Kenny King in the third match of their best of three series. The last two matches were good. Didn't light the world on fire, but I don't know. I like Kenny King. I'm not as down on Kenny King as some other people. I think he's a bright prospect for Ring of Honor. Um, I'm a big Jay Lethal fan. I think this could be a really good match with enough time. I don't think there's anything on the line in these best of three matches. I don't think there's anything on the line in the best of three series. I know Kenny King is still owed a shot at the Ring of Honor World Championship after winning the Honor Rumble at G1 Supercard on the pre-show. So I'm not sure when he might be getting that, if it might be another few months. I don't know. It took Flip Gordon like fucking six months to get his deserved owed shot at the um, Ring of Honor World title after winning the tournament on Jericho's Cruise back in like fucking October. So it might be a while before Kenny King cashes in the title shot to become or to try to become Ring of Honor World Champion. Um, So yeah, I would have Jay Lethal winning here. Kenny King won the first one. Lethal did win the second one, but only by DQ after Kenny King got himself intentionally DQ'd. I know they have since advertised Jay Lethal and Matt Taven for the Ring of Honor World Championship for the New York City tapings one-on-one. So I would have to assume that Lethal wins here to build momentum ahead of that match. Uh, I like Kenny King, but he doesn't really need to win here. It would be a big win for him if he did. 
I don't see him winning. I think Jay Lethal picks up the victory and uh, put this to put this rivalry to rest once and for all. Villain Enterprises, Marty Skrull, PCO, and Brody King defending the Ring of Honor World Six-Man Tag Team titles against Lifebloods, Mark Haskins, and Tracy Williams, and PJ Black. So PJ Black, as of right now anyway, at least I don't think so, is an official member of Lifeblood. He's just been kind of helping out Haskins and Williams as Lifeblood has been down in numbers for the last number of months. And now David Finley got hurt. Juice Robinson's been over in Japan with no timetable set for his Ring of Honor return. I recently read, I think, via... Maybe it was 411 Mania, but they had said that um, Juice Robinson will not be back in Ring of Honor anytime soon. He'll be over in Japan for the foreseeable future. At least, he's not scheduled for any Ring of Honor shows for, like, months. Um, so it might be a while before we see Juice back in ROH. So Juice has been gone. Uh, David Finley got hurt. Tennille Dashwood is gone from the company. So they kind of need some more members here. I would see... I, th I think they have Bandito. I think Bandito is an official member of the group, but he's been out doing his own thing, chasing the Ring of Honor World Television title. Um, yeah, so PJ Black has been stepping in. They've kind of not really teased tension, but PJ Black does not seem to be a full-fledged member of the group, and I think that's for a reason. I think he will turn on them eventually, if not on the show. Marty Skrull is definitely, absolutely 120% on his way out of Ring of Honor. I don't see him sticking around past when his contract uh, his when past when his contract expires. I think in the fall September time. So um that being said, I do think they hold on to the championships for a little longer. I guess they could win here and then lead to, you know, build to a black split from Lifeblood or have him turn on them at some point down the road. Maybe not necessarily right now. I guess based on how I'm going with these predictions, I don't see any championships changing hands. So you know what? Fuck it. Let's have PJ Black, Haskins, and Williams win here. Uh, they can kind of do their own thing as champions for a little while. They are feuding with Bully Ray and Shane Taylor and I don't think Silas Young. I think the Soldiers of Savagery, SOS, who debuted on ROH TV a while ago. Maybe they interfere here. Who, know, who, who knows? Um, but yeah, you know what? On a second thought, I got Lifeblood and PJ Black winning here. They go on a feud with Bully Ray and his crew, his cronies over the six-man tag team titles. It's not exactly like the Villain Enterprises have been doing much of note with those titles anyway. I don't think I've seen Marty Skrull on Ring of Honor TV since G1 Supercard. Um, he lost in the main event of that show, not the main event, but he lost the Ring of Honor World Championship ladder match, and then he went over to Japan to do the World Tag League, maybe, with Brody King. So we haven't even really seen these guys in Ring of Honor TV for a while. PCO has been on TV, facing Matt Taven and getting world title shots, which is cool. But the six-man tag team titles are a total afterthought. They're not winning here. Um, I don't think something Marty Skrull, like I said, is on his way out. Doesn't really make much sense to keep the championships on him if there's no one for them to defend against. So, uh, yeah, well, I'll say Lifeblood and PJ Black pick up the victory and become the new Ring of Honor World six-man tag team champions. Final three matches here. Uh, Silas Young versus Jonathan Gresham. Now, this match was supposed to happen to the, the 17th anniversary show back in March. This is going to be called a pure rules match. Now, the whole story here is that Silas Young, he argues that, oh, I'm a master technician, blah, blah, blah. Yet all he's done since the feud started is beat Gresham with dirty holds. Uh, you know, dirty tactics, low blows, finger pokes, stuff like that. Um, so I think Gresham finally wins here. He's been gone from Ring of Honor TV for a while. He might have been out in Japan doing something. I don't know. But he's been off ROH TV for a couple of weeks, if not a month or so now. I think he wins here. Silas Young has won enough. He's a good talent. I'm a big fan of Silas Young. 
but I do think it's time to give Gresham the uh, much-needed victory. Now time for the top two matches on the show. First, the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Our man Shane Taylor taking on Bandito. This should be a great match. Bandito did beat Shane Taylor like we talked about in the interview on an episode of Ring of Honor TV back in April. Um, I don't think history repeats itself here. I do think Shane Taylor will pick up the victory. He only just became Ring of Honor TV champion. And as he said in the interview, he has high hopes for the rest of his reign. So I'd be shocked if he dropped the championship this soon. Bandito is an amazing talent, but I think it's way too soon for him to be beating Shane Taylor for the belt. I think Shane Taylor has um, a huge upside for Ring of Honor and as the Ring of Honor World Television Champion. Um, So I got Shane Taylor winning here, and that takes us to the main event, Matt Taven versus Jeff Cobb for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Um, This should be great. I'm a big Jeff Cobb fan, but similar to Shane Taylor, Matt Taven just became champion, not like recently, recently, but it was less than three months ago. Ring of Honor usually likes to give their world champions a bit of a lengthy reign before they drop the belt. I mean, for God's sakes, Jay Lethal was like champion for nine months before he dropped the belt at G1 Superguard. Um, So I see Matt Taven retaining here via Dirty Tactics, likely interference from the kingdom, the rest of the kingdom. Hopefully Jeff Cobb, I mean, the guy has not been beaten yet. In one-on-one competition, he has not been pinned or submitted in Ring of Honor. So, they've built him up very well. Like I said, I'm a big Jeff Cobb fan. He's had some great matches so far in ROH with Hangman Page. He had that awesome match with Shane Taylor back at the 17th anniversary show. The Will Ospreay match was great back at G1 Supercard. Um, This should be a good match, um, but if there's any time for him to be beat, I would have waited a little longer, but if he's competing for the championship in the main event of a show, in the main event of a pay-per-view I guess now is a decent time for him to suffer his first pinfall loss in a Ring of Honor. So I do see Matt Taven walking out still, the Ring of Honor World Champion. Now time for my predictions for AEW Fighter Fest on Saturday. This should be another great show. So immediately after Best in the World on Friday, we have Fighter Fest on Saturday. Although this show will be free, streaming live on BR Live, Bleach Report Live, uh, the home of yours truly, Bleach Report. Uh, The WWE section, got to support. But, uh, yeah, this should be a great show as well. I'm really looking forward to Fighter Fest on Saturday, emanating live from Daytona Beach, Florida, on the 29th of Saturday, like I said. So on the pre-show real quick, we have a hardcore match. Michael Nakazawa taking on Alex Jabaley. Jay Bailey, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but this match has gotten very little hype on um, the uh, Being the Elite show. I struggled to uh, come up with the name of the show real quick. Uh, the Being the Elite show on YouTube, they this match, they kind of hyped it up. They announced it for this show a while ago. Um, it hasn't really received much build. I see Nakazawa winning. Um, he's kind of been a bigger star in BTE in recent months. I think Alex Jabaley is like the GM or something of AEW. He has some sort of title in AEW. I don't know what it is. I'm not really too familiar with the guy. But I think Nakazawa wins here. Kylie Ray and Leva Bates in a one-on-one match. This match, I think, was just added. Um, I had not seen it advertised until I just looked at the Wikipedia lineup just now, unless I missed something on their Twitter or being the elite or whatever. Um, I think Kylie Ray wins here. She came up short in the four-way at double or nothing. I think she wins here. Leva Bates might have the um, victory cost for her by Peter Avalon, the fellow librarian. So maybe they tease tension, or maybe he helps her win. I don't know, but I think Kylie Ray walks out with the victory. Uh, they have three matches on the pre-show, which is a lot. I thought this would be saved for the main card, but I guess not. Um, best friends, even though they try their hardest to avoid competing on the pre-show for double or nothing, they're on the pre-show for this event, so I guess that's what happens when you threaten the promoter's families. 
Uh, but best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Barretta taking on SoCal Uncensored, Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian, and Private Parties, Isaiah Cassidy and Mark Queen. This should be an awesome match. I am super excited for this one. When it was announced on BTE a week ago, I was super excited. I just saw Private Party in action for the first time at a Northeast Wrestling show, the one I talked about here on the show before, uh, Brass City Brawl two weeks ago. And these guys have a lot of... Uh, a lot of untapped potential. They are, uh, you know, a lot of um, stardom here. A lot of potential here with Private Party. I could see them winning just to give them a credible victory. So, you know what? Fuck it. I'll say Private Party. I know Best Friends won the tag team match at Double or Nothing. They don't really need to win here. Um, SCU also won at Double or Nothing. Uh, Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian alongside Christopher Daniels. So, yeah, fuck it. I think Private Party win here and they pick up a, a very big victory to establish themselves as a force to be reckoned with in the AEW tag team division. Yuka Sakazaki versus Rio versus Nyla Rose. I cannot pronounce that first last name for the life of me, so I apologize. And a three-way match. Um, Rio and I, I'm not sure if Sakazawi, Saka, Sakazaki? I, again, my pronunciation is atrocious. I'm not sure if she was in action at the double or nothing, um, the women's match on that show. The eight woman, the, the Jushi tag team match. I don't think so. The Joshi, not Joshi, fucking Joshi, uh, Yoshi, whatever the hell it is. I apologize. I don't know if she was, maybe she was. I don't remember. Riho, I know is, or was, um, I know Kenny Omega is very high on her. Nyla Rose is, uh, supposed to be like their Nia Jax. And that's not supposed to be like, oh, she's big, but like, she's a dominant force. I don't think she's very good. I do think she wins here. If not her, then Rio, but I'll go with Nyla Rose. Cause she came up short in the four away at double or nothing. Christopher Daniels versus Seema. Um, I think it's Seema. I think that's how you pronounce it. He was the captain of the Strong Hearts tag team at Double or Nothing during the six-man tag team opening match. Um, so that was a great match. Daniels, I think, wins here. I guess they could give Seema the victory to kind of establish him and give him some credibility, which would be fine. Uh, Daniels won't really be hurt by the loss. The guy's a veteran, and he's over as hell, so why not? Um, I'll go with Daniels, though. I think Daniels picks up the victory here to establish himself as a threat in these singles ranks in AEW. Um, let's see. There's a couple different great matches here. Four-way action, Adam Page, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, and MJF. Um, I, you know, Adam Page is going to be competing for the World Championship at All Out. And if they're true to their word, if Cody is true to his word here, and wins and losses absolutely matter. It would probably benefit them to have Adam Page win if he's going to be competing for the world title at All Out in September, or late August, I guess I should say, August 31st, over Labor Day weekend. If it's not Page, then MJF. Um, I actually want MJF to win, but again, I think if wins and losses matter, then why wouldn't you have Page win? I guess they could have MJF win without pinning Page, and I guess that would be their like way out of explaining why he lost here. I'm not exactly sure, but... I'll stick with Adam Page. Um, not that he really needs the momentum. He's facing Jericho, but it would be weird for him to lose a random four-way match before he faces Chris Jericho at um, All Out in uh, about two months. So I got Adam Page winning there. The Elite, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, taking on the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, and their partner, Laredo Kid, who I'm kind of familiar with from his time, his brief stint in Impact Wrestling in late 2017. He's another really good talent, too. Um, I'll go with the Elite. I'll go with the Elite here. I know the Lucha Brothers lost. You know what? Fuck it. I'll go with the Lucha Brothers. The Lucha Brothers lost at Double or Nothing. I think they get their win back here. 
Laredo Kid, I'm not sure if he's a full-fledged member of the AEW roster, but he is really good. If he's not, he should be. So you know what? I'll go with the Lucha Bros going over here. Um, you can't have all the elite guys go over on the same show because I do think Cody in this next match is beating Darby Allen. Now, I got my first look at Darby Allen at the aforementioned Northeast Wrestling Brass City Brawl show. And the guy is tremendous. The guy is really fucking good. In his match with John Moxley, I was thoroughly impressed. Um, it would be a big win for him here, but Cody is kind of like their guy. Not their guy guy because he's not going for the world championship in a few months, but... He's one of their top stars. I think this might be more of a match where Allen gets a lot of offense in and comes away looking like a star, a lot like the Moxley match I saw at NEW a few weeks ago, but he doesn't win. So I think Cody wins here. And that brings us to our likely main event, what I think should be the main event. John Moxley and Joey Janela for the first time ever. This should be amazing. Just let these guys go out there, beat the shit out of each other. Both guys were in action at the NEW show. Moxley faced, like I said, Allen, and Joey Janela faced a guy named Brad Hollister, who's going to be here on WrestleRant Radio in a few short weeks, a great top talent in the Northeast wrestling scene. Uh, they had a great match, great no-DQ match. So uh, maybe this becomes a no-DQ match before the pay-per-view. I find, a hard, I find it hard to believe that a Nakazawa match would be no-DQ, but this match would not be. I think this match would really thrive if they had no rules. But maybe they announce it as a standard singles match, yet it breaks down into a no-DQ match. Who knows? But I think Moxley has to win here. He just debuted. Um, he has yet to have a match yet with AEW. And Joey Janela, I mean, the guy's not a top star. He could take a loss here. It's not a big deal. He will look great in defeat either way. Um, but yeah, I got John Moxley beating Joey Janela in what should be the best match of the night, which is tough to say because there's a lot of great match the night contenders on the show um but yeah moxley and janela are bound to go out there and beat the holy shit out of each other janela specifically because you know janela wants to go out there and have a great match with the hottest i guess it's, he's not really a free agent anymore but the hottest commodity in all of pro wrestling right now you know he wants to go in there and have a lasting impression and all the fans and officials and fellow wrestlers so i think moxley walks out victorious but only after a strong showing from joey janela in defeat and that's AEW Fighter Fest. That took up way more time than I thought it would. So I'll kind of rush through my uh, review here of Stomping Grounds from Sunday. No real thoughts in Raw and Smacked. And I did think Raw was a genuinely good show this week. Maybe by recent Raw standards. Maybe that's why I'm saying that. Any other week, it'd be atrocious. Like, if it was a year ago, it'd probably be looked at as a bad Raw. But the two out of three falls matches have got to stop. The elimination matches have got to stop. And these feuds, they have to fucking move on from. Kofi and Dolph was a great match, but we got to move on from that shit. We got to move on from the New Day versus Owens and Zayn again. We've seen that done to death over the last month. Um, I'm ready for that shit to be kind of over with. Um, Lacey Evans and Becky Lynch, Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin, Alexa Bliss and Bailey. We got to move the fuck on from this shit that... I mean, again, the matches were fine at stomping grounds, but it's not exactly like I was clamoring for a rematch. And I'm sure I'm not... The only one who feels that way. But real quick, from Stomping Grounds on Sunday, kickoff match, Drew Gulak, Tony Nese, and Akira Tozawa. Tremendous triple threat match here for the Cruiserweight Championship. I would argue these guys stole the show. My favorite match was Ricochet and Samoa Joe for the United States Championship. But this was an amazing match too. They just went out there with the intent of stealing the show and just proving to people why Cruiserweight Wrestling is every bit as great as they claim it to be. Uh, Gulak came out on top, the all-new Cruiserweight Champion. I was hoping Nice's reign would continue, but it's not a big deal. Uh, Gulak has been deserving of a Cruiserweight Championship reign for years now, so uh, better late than never. Drew Gulak, your new Cruiserweight Champion, so good stuff here. 
Uh, the actual opening match was Becky Lynch and Lacey Evans for the Raw Women's Championship. Not a great match, but a good match. Um, definitely the best Lacey Evans match I've seen. Again, not saying much, because it was a pretty bad botch halfway through this match where Becky was supposed to do a back elbow, uh, flying back elbow off, like, this middle rope or something. And maybe it was the, the, the first rope, or whatever. The turnbuckle rope. And Lacey Evans wasn't in the right spot, so Becky had to hesitate, and then she eventually hit it, and then she was visibly frustrated over the blown spot the first time. But it was a good match, though. Becky came out on top, still the Raw Women's Champion. Uh, tag team action up next, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus the New Days, Big E and Xavier Woods. Great stuff here. For the 11 minutes this was given, this was a great match. Um, I was very happy with what I saw here. I thought these guys went out there and fucking killed it. Uh, this is what tag team wrestling should be. Owens and Zayn finally won a match. Only before losing again on Raw and SmackDown. So I'm not exactly sure what this victory was supposed to do for them. Aside from just give them one win. But Sami Zayn never wins anything. Anything. The guy is a perennial loser at this point. Uh, but this was good stuff. United States Championship, like I said, my personal favorite match of the night, Ricochet Samoa Joe. Really, really good match here. These guys work very well together. I love the David versus Goliath dynamic they have going. Uh, Ricochet, he's been on a roll recently. I mean, he didn't really start out on the strongest note when he came to Raw after the Superstar shakeup. I think he lost, like, Bobby Roode in his first night on Raw in one-on-one action. Uh, or Robert Roode, excuse me, who we have not seen since, by the way, for the most part. Um, but Ricochet's gone back on the right track. He did knock off Samoa Joe here, all-new United States champion. Excellent stuff. I'm looking forward. I mean, I guess we're not getting a rematch because Ricochet faced AJ Styles on Raw. Tremendous match, too, but um, AJ won, so I assume we're getting that at stomping grounds or rather extreme rules. And Samoa Joe has already been announced as Kofi Kingston's latest challenger for the championship at Extreme Rules as well. So no rematch, but this was great. I was hoping for a full-fledged feud between the two. But I guess they want to move on to bigger and better things, which is fine. But uh, this this was great stuff, though. Daniel Bryan and Rowan versus Heavy Machinery. Another quality match here for the SmackDown Tag Team title. Uh, for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Um, I did not think that this would be as good as it was. It got very little build on SmackDown. But Bryan is hell-bent on making tag team wrestling matter again. This guy goes out there and wants to make whatever championship he holds the most important prize in the entire company. That was evident during his reign as WWE champion. That was evident during his reign currently. It's currently evident during his reign as SmackDown Tag Team champion. Hell, it was evident during his reign as Intercontinental champion for the short time he held that title four years ago after WrestleMania 31. He wanted to be the Intercontinental champion that was the workhorse of the company. Now he's trying to be that same thing as the SmackDown Tag Team champion. But Heavy Machinery, again, the best match I've ever seen them in. And I think a lot of that has to do with Daniel Bryan. But even Tucker who I'm not overly impressed with more often than not. I had a really good showing here. He was very impressive. Um, but yeah, this was a great match. Brian and Rowan come out on top, still the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. I would assume the feud continues. Um, they had an eight-man tag team match on SmackDown. Heavy Machinery New Day won that one against Brian, Rowan, Zayn, and Owen. So I would assume we get a rematch at Extreme Rules. Um, this is where the show started to fall apart a bit. Bailey and Alexa Bliss for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Good match. Nothing great. I've seen better, actually, from the two, but this was good. Um, Bailey wins after inadvertent in interference. Oh, that's a tongue twister. Inadvertent interference from uh, Nikki Cross, who cost Alexa Bliss the championship. Though we are getting a rematch at Extreme Rolls. Oh, joy. Um, after Nikki Cross beat Bailey. So even though Nikki Cross beat Bailey on SmackDown, it's Alexa Bliss getting another title shot. So I hope that means that Nikki Cross comes to her senses between now and then. 
and is given the title shot, and she's added into the match. Because Bliss and Bailey one and one again does nothing for me. Uh, we had Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre one and one in a rematch from WrestleMania. Better than the Mania match, which isn't saying much. I thought this was a pretty good match. It just kind of went on for a little longer than it needed to. And way too much bullshit from Machine McMahon. Roman wins. LOL. Again. It really should have been the other way around. It really should have been Roman beating Shane at Super Showdown. And then Drew beating Roman here. I don't know why people thought otherwise. They've had Drew lose constantly in the last couple of months. And Roman is clearly a bigger deal. Is clearly a bigger deal than Roman. Or rather than Drew. So I'm not surprised that they had uh, Roman Reigns win here. But it was disappointing nonetheless. WWE Championship match. Kofi Kingston versus Dolph Ziggler. Steel Cage. This was boring to me, to be to be quite honest with you. They work well together. They had a great match on SmackDown this week. So kudos to them for that. But this was uh, very, very, very boring. 20 minutes of just about nothing. 20 minutes of almost virtually nothing. Kofi won. The finish was cool with him jumping over Ziggler to uh, escape the cage through the door at the side. I thought that was pretty sick. But uh, beyond that, this kind of bored me to tears. Right result, though. And then we got to the main event for the Universal Championship, Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin with Lacey Evans as the special guest referee. It became a no count-out, no disqualification match towards the end after Corbin uh, almost got counted out and almost got DQ'd. It became a no DQ, no count-out match as you would probably expect. Now, I, I I did like Lacey Evans being the referee because it meant that Rollins could not get his hands on Lacey, which I liked after the story they told on Raw and SmackDown. Now, as you would probably expect, uh, Becky Lynch came out to save Seth and then Rollins beat Baron, curb stomp, and with a new referee, the same referee actually that cost Baron the match at Super Showdown after Baron pushed him too far. And uh, Rollins still your universal champion. Now, the feuds are not over, unfortunately. We are getting a mixed tag team winner-take-all title match at Extreme Rules with Rollins, Lacey, Becky, and not those exact teams, but it's Seth and Becky versus Lacey and Baron. So we're going back down these um, the, the same roads here for the Raw Women's Championship and the Universal Championship, but whatever. I guess it's a filler show before SummerSlam, so I probably should have expected that. But that was Stomping Grounds. Overall, I thought it was a good show. I don't know if it was better than Money in the Bank, but then again, I was there, so I'm a bit biased. But I thought this was a good show overall, and the first half especially was well worth going out of your way to check out. Uh, the Cruiserweight Championship match, excellent. The SmackDown Tag Team title match was a lot of fun. The tag team match, Owen Zayn, New Day, great stuff. And Ricochet and Samoa Joe stole the main card, in my opinion. So two thumbs up, uh, you know, about a thumb up and maybe maybe a quarter of a thumb, or a thumb and a half for stomping grounds. It wasn't a bad show by any means. Could have been better with the uh, top matches not really delivering. If, had they delivered, it would have been a better show. But overall, I thought it was a... Uh, Pretty good pay-per-view considering the current landscape of Raw and SmackDown and how boring and abysmal they've been for months now. And that's going to do it, guys, for WrestleRant Radio here today, June 27, 2019. Thank you guys, as always, for checking out the show. Thanks to Shane Taylor for his time earlier. We're probably going to have the uh, Flip Gordon interview air next week here on the show. Again, it's not exactly not, not the lengthiest interview you'll ever hear. It's about maybe 15, 20 minutes. Um, but very happy to uh, talk to Flip Gordon about Northeast Wrestling and his current career in Ring of Honor. He'll be in action tomorrow, Best in the World, live on pay-per-view, Fight TV, and Honor Club. Uh, it's going to be an awesome show. And then Fighter Fest on Saturday. We're going to talk both about both of those shows next week here on WrestleRant Radio in addition to the Flip Gordon interview. So the 4th of July episode, yes, we will have an episode going up 
on the 4th of July holiday. We take no days off, no breaks here on WrestleRant Radio, so spend the most patriotic holiday of the year by binging my interview with uh, Flip Gordon and checking out my thoughts on Fighter Fest and Ring of Honor Best in the World. You can do so on all of our streaming service platforms, including nextairwrestling.net, the website itself, and then a lot easier to check out iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher. We're all over the place, baby. So subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode every single Thursday. WrestleRant Radio, coming to the masses with my ranting thoughts on the wrestling world and so much more. And as for me, folks, check me out on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, on YouTube as well at YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Matthews, and of course on NextAirWrestling.net for my full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW pay-per-views, Ring of Honor shows, and everything else in between. Impact as well. Gotta throw Impact there. Gotta throw Impact in the uh, the in the conversation of uh, wrestling shows I watch and review every week for Next Air Wrestling. Even though I don't give them a lot of love here on WrestleRant Radio, I am an Impact fan through and through. So nonetheless, guys, have a great weekend. Enjoy this wrestling-filled weekend between Best in the World and Fighter Fest on Saturday. Should be a lot of fun. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass next week on the 4th of July episode of WrestleRant Radio. Take care, folks. Yourself, yourself, okay.